0: Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers, with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kirk Damon. Today's episode is brought to you by Chef Gourmanda, winner of the 1978 DeLorean Chef Tournament and author of the award winning Life Day Recipe Book. Make your holiday special with a recipe from Chef Gourmanda.
1: Merry Christmas and welcome into A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy. I am your host, Ben Siders, and with me here, also enjoying his Christmas break, is Kirk Damon. That's Kirk, as the captain of the Enterprise. So, Merry Hansa Kwanza Miss. That's our, our amalgamation of pseudo-religious holidays. Or just happy holidays. Or, or happy festivus is probably my favorite one, yep. uh, especially the airing of grievances. That's a Seinfeld reference for those of you who are <laughs> under the age of 40. Uh, so, Kirk, uh, So this, this episode will hit the week of Christmas. What are your holiday plans?
0: Uh, we're going to go... Spending it with family, I think, is this normal. You know what what it is for us. Though we're doing it a little bit differently this year, in the fact that we're going to actually, you know, head out to the uh, family in Iowa for the
1: first time since we've had kids. So, oh, we're wow. see how that goes. See, we my so my family lives mostly up in Minneapolis, and we drive from St. Louis. That's right, drive to Minneapolis with uh, four kids in the car every winter. And I've still never understood why we go to to the, the frozen tundra of Minneapolis in the winter time. We should go there in the summer. And make them come down here in the winter. It's much more temperate.
0: Yeah, they've, we've, they've, the, our, uh, you know, our relatives all come down here. My, my parents live here in, in St. Louis now, so it's one of those where they don't, you know, that we've already actually had our Christmas with them. We had it right after Thanksgiving, um, because I also have an aunt and an uncle who. Um, Travel a lot, so it was one of those. Where it was easy for us to do it at that point in time. So we've done it at that point in time. We basically did the. You know, that's what we're, we're planning to do. But right. it should be fun. It'll be a it'll little different as to what it is. I think they're looking forward to the fact that there should be like actual snow on the ground permanently. And <laughs> um, yeah, we don't usually
1: have snow here on uh, yeah. Christmas. Sometimes we do, but there's usually not much. Like the grass always sticks out. Like I've learned to cut the grass short before it starts snowing, so it yeah. kind of looks like actual winter. in <laughs> <St. Louisville laughs> Exactly, over Christmas.
0: which is kind of nice actually when you have to shovel it. But you know, for the kids who want to go out and have a snowball fight, I think they're looking forward to the. Idea of being able to go to,
1: to Iowa and see that. Yeah, my kids are always <laughs> wowed by all the snow in Minneapolis. I, I mean, there's literally like twenty foot piles of snow in mall parking lots and whatnot, which is what I grew up with in Iowa. Yeah. But we don't get that here. Well, I grew
0: up in Colorado where it was. We had twenty foot tall piles of snow in the parking lot and five days later it was
1: gone. <laughs> Well, today we're talking about the internet, or more specifically, how you get stuff off the internet. Or how you don't. Or how you don't. And the motivation for this topic is the legendary Star Wars Holiday Special, which bears explanation because (laughs) hopefully, and I'm crossing my fingers literally in the studio as I say this, hopefully you've (laughs) never seen it. Um,
0: The Star Wars Holiday Special is one of those things, which is, it's you'd think it would be an urban legend if it wasn't true
1: yeah I always um, heard about I mean, it throughout yeah. the 90s but there was no copies out there
0: I'm pretty sure I probably watched it live at some point in time when it was actually out um, hey, you a little older than me you might have yeah just timing wise it's, uh, I didn't actually see the original Star Wars when it was in theaters um, because the fact that I was just a little bit too young to see it, according to my parents, even though a bunch of my friends saw it, so my first Star Wars in theaters was actually *Empire Strikes Back*. So yeah, I saw *Jedi*. But I saw a lot of stuff on TV. So I'd seen Star Wars. I saw Star Wars on TV with ads, um, you know, because you couldn't fast forward through them in those days. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I probably saw the holiday special. I remember seeing a number of other Star Wars things. That there's a. I remember after *Return of the Jedi*, there's actually a special that's the um, the droids go to uh, the the Ewok planet. Um, oh, yeah, there were two for,
1: cartoons. There was the Ewoks yeah. and the Droids cartoons. I remember watching
0: um, them. I, I remember seeing those. And just, so I watched a lot of Star Wars stuff because, I mean, I remember used to go through TV guides to see what was on TV oh, yeah. and look for specials. And particularly around this time of year, I would seek out holiday specials for obvious
1: reasons. Let's lay the background here because a, a lot of our listeners <laughs> are millennials who probably have no recollection or no conscious memory of what life used to be like <laughs> when you had three <laughs> channels. Yeah. And, and this is – so this came out in the late 70s. It was after the original Star Wars film, I think, was out of theaters. Yep. So it, it came out in May. Of that year, and then that Christmas, I think was when this was done, yep. uh, or maybe the next Christmas. I think it was maybe in that may have been the next year, actually. But it was it was before Empire Strikes Back, yep. so it was before Boba Fett and all that kind of stuff. And it was a, a TV holiday special, which at the time, as Kirk just alluded to. Um, networks were three channels. You had ABC, CBS, NBC. A handful of places had Fox affiliates. The town I grew up yeah, in and didn't PBS get one. PBS was the other one. PBS, yeah. We didn't have a Fox affiliate until the, yep. the late night or mid 90s. Yeah, we didn't have a Fox so affiliate either. You had three channels to pick from unless you had cable. At the time, cable, cable was like $12 a month. Nobody could afford that. We didn't even have cable. Yeah. Well, and, and at the time, cable had no commercials.
0: Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, well, I think even at this point in time, I think when this came out, I'm not even sure cable existed yet. I mean, it's, I'm At this to time, think it, it may not have. have early 80s, was yeah, really, cable came out in early 80s and it's I always associated with early 80s as MTV because that was yeah. obviously sort of the start of cable. Um, but yeah, it's it, well, the, the other thing just with holiday specials, and I think the thing to keep in mind is when you were a kid watching these holiday specials, you couldn't watch them on DVD. They got played once,
1: maybe twice, if you were lucky, during between and Thanksgiving we didn't and really Christmas. have VCRs yet. Well, and, and at the time, you got to think of the TV cycle, you know, around the Christmas time. Uh, your your regular weekly shows are are on hiatus, They're all and on the reruns. networks just need content to fill airtime. And you guys probably don't remember this, but networks used to shut off if you stayed and watched TV for <laughs> late enough. At some point, they played the national Anthem them and went off the air. And you got the test pattern. Yep. Yeah. That
0: was the, a sort of normal thing late at night. Actually, it actually used to be kind of fun to watch and see if you could see the test pattern. See yep. the Anthem and see the <laughs> test pattern. But so yeah, these, the, there was a lot of holiday specials. A lot of the holiday specials popular. we grew up with. I think people in our generation as well, holiday specials were a big deal. And a lot of it was because you used to go through the TV guide, which used to come in the newspaper. You only had, had one subscribe. TV,
1: so everybody had to watch the same thing. Yep. And so you had these holiday specials, and they were all these variety act type shows where you'd bring in popular musical acts or popular actors and, and just do basically a bunch of, of sketch bits and whatnot because yep. uh, it's, it's you know nobody could really object to it oh it's you know but this one is, is so weird and yeah. so miscalculated
0: and, and a lot of them were associated with popular culture you had a lot of things that sort of were things that were popular at the time becoming holiday specials or trying to catch on to things that were popular for holiday specials here's all you
1: need to know it's a Star Wars that has Jefferson Starship in it <laughs>
0: And as, I'm not as, Star this up. as a prominent role too. That's the other thing with it.
1: So let's. Uh, hopefully, you've never seen it, but if you, if you, if we'll weigh the background for what it is. It's kind of a story. It takes place on the Wookiee planet, yep. and it opens with, with Chewbacca's family. With Chewbacca's family, his his dad, Itchy. Yep. His, his <laughs> yes, his dad is called Itchy. Truly, his son, <laughs> Lumpy. <laughs> Are we already starting to understand how this is going to go wrong? I, this sounds like an article from The Onion or, an, or on crack. It's not. This happened. And then his wife, Mala, who has like a, a kind of a normal name, yeah. right? Which I, I don't get. We're already in Bizarro Land, right? Because Chewbacca. I mean, they call him Chewy, but Chewbacca is his actual. It's a normal name. So yeah. who, who wrote this and thought itchy and lumpy makes yeah, sense? Yeah, exactly. For characters?
0: Um, and it's, it starts with the family. One of the things that I think is so fascinating about the holiday special is a good two-thirds of the holiday special is in Wookiee.
1: With no subtitles. With no subtitles. It's just hours of funky noises. <laughs>
0: now, admittedly, you can figure out what they're saying because of context and things like that associated well, with it. Well, they make it,
1: it weirder. So, so it opens up with Han and Chewie escaping Tatooine again, being pursued by the exact same two Star Destroyers that chased them off in the original trilogy, yep. including the exact same footage, but in a very cheap cardboard box Millennium Falcon set, yep. where Harrison Ford is clearly phoning it in and doesn't want to be there.
0: Yep. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of sort of things. One of the things I think you really notice as well about the Star Wars hol- Day special, which is very noticeable throughout it, is the lack of special effects. The There's special effects thing. are very bad. Some of them are present. There's a scene in it when you, you encounter Luke. He's talking uh, over a comlink, link. But he's working on his X-Wing. And his X-Wing laser It doesn't look like laser Mark Blaster. Hamill. Yeah, it, it looks look like Hamill. some
1: sort of mannequin. No, it like, it is,
0: it's, we were, it's right after his accident. It was.
1: Early, so. If you guys don't know, so Mark Hamill was in a car accident between um, Star Wars and Empire that, that really, I think, damaged his face. It damaged his face badly, surgery, yeah. and I think that's why they added the Wampa Ice creature That's why the
0: Wampa actually strikes yeah, him across to, the to face to at damage the beginning.
1: Luke Skywalker's face to explain why Mark Hamill looks so different. Um, yeah.
0: And, and I mean Mark Hamill, I think the, the the thing you can really give to it, as much as people give Mark Hamill crap for the Luke Skywalker character, I think there, there's little doubt from his future work. Mark Hamill's an incredible actor. Oh yeah, his voice um, work has been he's, amazing. And he's been voice work beyond that and stuff like that. And I think this is one of those things where it's, you know, when when they bring him into the Star Wars, he's there. Uh, he probably was a little bit disconnected from this just because of the nature of yeah. what it was. But the special effects, he's working on like the laser blaster on his X-Wing and it's obviously a cardboard tube with fireworks in it. <laughs> it's one of those things where you just look at it and you're like, like this literally does not look like Star
1: Wars. Literally taped a sparkler, you know, and yeah. just lit it and said, okay, roll the camera. Like, it's so bad. Yeah. And, and I and think and
0: that's actually part of what causes the holiday special problems is because you're used to the good special effects. And even the original Star Wars, you're used to the good special effects. And the special effects
1: in it are so bad. And the attempt to layer some sort of Star <laughs> Wars story on top of this variety act is just so yeah. clumsy and poorly done. And the people they got— uh, w- where I go back to is who was this designed to appeal to? Yep. Cuz let's, let's, for those of you who haven't seen it. Here's some of the people who are in this. B Arthur. If you don't know who B Arthur is, she was old in the late 70s. If you remember the Golden Girls, she was uh, I do not know which one uh, she is. Yeah. Rose?
0: Rose me I don't remember. Or was that I was Betty never White. into the
1: Golden Girls. <laughs> you know who Betty White is, even new millennials. You know who Betty White is. B Arthur was her contemporary, okay? So B Arthur is in this. And then my favorite Art Carney. <laughs> From the Honeymooners. Yep, Art Carney is in this, and then Jefferson Starship. Who else was in it? There was uh, another musical act.
0: Um, well, there's the, there's some uh, tumblers associated with yeah, some it. weird there's acrobatics, some basically Chinese acrobats, or what we call Cirque du Soleil, sort of today yeah. type acrobatics. But, I mean
1: these these are staple actors of like the '60s, right? Yep. And people who were in there. 50s in at the time this came out would have like warmly received these actors so it seems like it was calculated to appeal to an older audience but then it's all this like wookie noises and all this little kid yeah. stuff like I don't understand maybe that's just because it's the variety act and you had to appeal to everybody I, I
0: think the thing about it is and it's one of the things to keep in mind and it's anybody who does watch the holiday special I think one of those things especially if you if you didn't you're up in the you can era, get to
1: the first five minutes you deserve a yeah, medal you
0: really have to think about the fact that these things were variety acts I mean and that's the best way to describe it and if you don't even know what a variety act or you haven't seen one is, uh, in many of it's like a not like,
1: funny Saturday Night Live, yeah. Or even the or way in I other talk words, about it Saturday it's Night. It's America's
0: live. Got Talent, yeah. You know, it's America's Got Talent without the judges, lower
1: production value, um, yeah.
0: and it's usually you know actually known acts, and a lot of it's 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 switching between you know some of these If you haven't seen a variety act, I would actually suggest seeing one, but go see one live in
1: Vegas, because yeah. they're good, yeah, they are. <laughs> so this 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 is an embarrassment. Uh, Lucas has acknowledged. I think he has a quote on one of the movies <laughs> that, that if he had time and a hammer, he would walk through the entire world and smash every yeah. copy of this you um, can find.
0: A- Anthony Daniels in conjunction with C three PO, I think, has actually said that 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 uh, he would um, he would like die rather. Like, I can't remember what it was, but he truly <laughs> would never participate in doing another one of these again. Um, Han Solo almost strangles the host of tonight's Show at the <laughs> point in time that he's brought up. You know, as sort of a running joke. You know, everybody's, everybody's humiliated
1: of, by this. Yes. I have no idea who put this together, who the producers were. Clearly, there's no. Involved in this that said no, this is a bad idea. It was just Star Wars is hot. Let's get the yep. actors together. Let's slap a bunch of crap on screen. And, and a and few we of go. the things
0: with the variety acts is the variety acts are kind of thrown into this in weird places. So the example of like what is we talked about the fact that there's gymnasts that's actually done on a hollow table. So where they play Poorly. the hollow the hollow ga- ta- table game um, to entertain um, Chewbacca's son. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's lumpy. one of those uh, lumpy. It's <laughs> I just can't sell I'm lumpy. I burst out laughing.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's one of those where well, like Wookie costumes are creepy. Yeah. like. like Chewbacca is well enough done, but these Wookiee costumes are like little Shop of a Horrors puppets. With yeah. p- it, it, it's just... It's hard so to watch. That's,
0: that's the other thing where you know that's it, getting to the variety acts. There's a later scene where there's you know there's Imperial stormtroopers and Imperial forces inside the Wookiee home. A lot of
1: recycled footage. From um, the movies. Yeah,
0: and they actually again sort of it's the Jefferson Starship is presented as a music video to entertain Lumpy, um, <laughs> and you know things like that.
1: Predicting but, what we would later do, which is hand our kids iPads and tell them to be
0: quiet. Exactly. You know while you know the, the police are storming around our <laughs> house. But you know the the other thing that you sort of get into it. I think the, the weirdest one is the one that's joked about it, which is uh, commonly referred to, and you'll see. It is Wookiee Porn, um, which is yeah. a headset oh which is actually given to Chewbacca's father. It's kind of like a VR Yeah, it's a VR type almost. of thing almost as to what it is. But and the best w- way I describe what he's watching through it is go watch the introduction to a James Bond movie from the it's 70s. All this
1: weird abstract moving stuff. Yeah, and but it's mostly like, dancers. The way the, I, I assume they told the actor in the suit, get excited. Yeah. But since it's a guy in a suit who can't emote, he looks like he's getting excited in a way that's not appropriate for television.
0: Yeah, and again, he's also wearing what is actually is a VR headset, so it also looks kind of weird, you know, because yeah, you can't scene, see facial expression did at all. That not age well. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that's the kind of things you got to keep in mind. And there's this loose plot, and basically the loose plot is the idea of Chewbacca trying to get back to his home for what's for life, life day. Life
1: day, yeah.
0: Um, that's a lot of the celebration. The droids are sort of involved in this. There's a lot of discussion. That's where Luke comes in. They're trying to find him. That's involving this escape from Tatooine. And a lot of the key elements is actually the fact that essentially the Imperium. And the one thing that is sort of in some sense. A redeeming value um, of the the holiday special is the empire is actually presented as an oppressive government.
1: Well, the one the one really interesting thing that they did introduce this is where Boba Fett makes his debut. Boba Fett this does make his debut very, in this very um, odd nineteen seventies era animated portion. Yep. Where Harrison Ford again? Variety show they yeah, added yeah. some animation in this. Han Solo looks like he has had reconstructive jaw surgery or something. Something is very badly <laughs> wrong with <laughs> yes, these very, facial very strange proportions. proportions. <laughs> but they introduced Boba Fett like riding on a dinosaur, yeah. and it's it's it's, <laughs> it's it's weird. It's actually not that bad. Like if, if you watch any part of it, just go to that part. But that's where the Boba Fett character yeah. is introduced.
0: And again, Variety show. So I mean, they introduced stuff with you know animation. So they had animated sequences discussing this, um, and that gets at some of the stuff on Tatooine and the idea yeah. of what had
1: happened on Tatooine. All, but- all of this would have died a deserving death a long time ago, except something happened that nobody expected, which is the internet was born. <laughs> exactly. The commercial internet, and I particularly should say. YouTube, I think. And it was born in an era where those of us who grew up with Star Wars were the main population of people who knew how to use it. Yep. And at some point, I heard about this damn thing <laughs> during the 90s, and at some point, we all did. Yeah. And, and those of us who didn't remember it wanted to see it, right? Because there was no other Star Wars content. And I, I don't know how it happened. I'm sure Usenet was responsible. It has been preserved is the bottom line. Yeah. And as you know, once something is on the internet once, it's there forever. Yeah. And I, I actually found this just sitting on YouTube. Yeah, it's, there's also three copies of it on YouTube. What I think is interesting is that
0: it's become sort of a, enough of a cult phenomenon that people actually have tried to get good versions of it, preserved versions. Um, the the version I watched had, had, was actually apparently... Uh, a remaster of the of a, of a original so it actually didn't have the ad in it, it Ad breaks
1: but there was no ads removed yeah like the studio or the, the network that had it is they're never going to release it yeah, I don't know if they, they probably burned the original footage so yeah, it's, it's, the, it's been preserved through the de facto archiving facilities of but the even
0: year. to go through the idea of the de the facto of things of the archiving facilities one of the things I think is really interesting I happen to watch this afterwards people have even posted what's in the original ad breaks So you can actually watch all the original advertisements that appeared during the course of it, which are themselves, actually, I think, a a, a fun sort of explanation
1: of A lot of Pan Am Airlines ads. (laughs)
0: Um, Actually, there's a a lot of ads for contact, um, the (laughs) the old cold medicine. Uh, And you you can see the – what I also think is interesting in watching the ads is you actually see the nature of – one of the things that will strike you in watching the holiday episode today is the TV looks a lot different. Mm -hmm. When you watch the ads, you realize that was the TV, that w- you know the way that things How are things acted. Look, yeah. So again, like, all of the ads are very
1: static. Didn't um, you say, too, you saw a news break when you watched it? Yes. They're talking about uh, <laughs> there is a Brezhnev news break. or somebody in the <laughs> Soviet Union. There is a U- news, news
0: break, which I have to admit, if we were to change the names, <laughs> sounds disturbingly like something that could be on the news today. Yeah. It was discussing um, a Soviet meddling <laughs> <laughs> in conjunction with the United States and Brezhnev. Um, but it's also what I think—and again, one of those things that I think it's worth watching— If you do feel the need to go back and actually watch this for yourself, go and watch those ads just because it does give you a little bit of an idea of just how different the world was. And when you watch that news break, realize, at this point in time, there's no CNN. There's no internet Mm -mm. for the news. Your news is basically newspapers or the television or radio. And, you know, this news break was giving you an update on what happened. And what I think is so funny about it is there's, like, two to three very serious stories. And you got to realize each of these is, like, two sentences. That's all they say. And then there's the feel-good holiday story at the yeah. very end. And I'm not going to tell you what that one is. <laughs> but it's one of those where you, you get kind of this um, interesting sort of um, – you know, p- understanding of just sort of the difference in the nature of the world, which also I think, quite frankly, does give you a better appreciation for the holiday special and the fact that while it's so weird, particularly under modern circumstances, it wasn't quite as weird.
1: Particularly Batman. for those of you who have no conscious memory of life before the internet, Kirk and I obviously do. We lived through yes. these, these dark <laughs> times, um, but if if it's it's worth seeing that part just to see what we went through yep. before you could just get online.
0: If, if you cannot make the sound of a modem then you wouldn't actually understand most of this.
1: ATDT. <laughs> that's all you need That's a say. joke only people over 40 will get. Them. Okay, so a combination of factors have enabled th- you know, not only the Star Wars uh, holiday special, but other embarrassing things to be preserved uh, ad infinitum. And that is, one, it's easier than ever to catch people doing embarrassing things because yep. all of us have high-powered cameras at our beck and call all the time.
0: Yep, and that's definitely a change. I mean, it's, it used to be that a camera was, you know, hey, something you took still pictures with and you had to get them developed, and if they could be developed in one... one what was originally two hours then one hour then I think ten minutes that was incredible
1: and that wasn't even in the case ten years ago. I mean, the original iPhones didn't take video out of the box. I don't yeah. think. Now, phones did, obviously, and have for a while. You know, but I mean,
0: like I remember at times when I used to, you know, go out, you know, for work and things like that. There were places where you could not bring cameras in, mm-hmm. and that means you couldn't bring your cell phones. You had to drop your cell phones if they had a camera in them. So a lot of people purposely had cell phones that did not have cameras.
1: Well, when we go to court sometimes just to get that. I mean, depending on where you go, they will or will not allow a cell phones to turn yeah. them off. Sometimes. So. But a lot of that's more of a distraction. This was because yeah. they couldn't. You couldn't have the cameras, and so you could only bring a cell phone if it
0: didn't have a camera. And well, then most judges right. don't
1: want live cameras in the courtroom yep. of any kind, news or otherwise. Okay, also, storage and bandwidth are cheap, and we have free sharing tools on universally available platforms. And I think most importantly, reproducing an infinite number of copies of anything is literally a push of a button. Yeah.
0: I think the other thing with it is, is that the, <clears throat> the uploading and the creation of content has has just ballooned. I mean, we talk about the idea of you know, big data and stuff like that. One of my favorite quotes, and as I heard this a number of years ago, but I presume it's still true, and the the statistic was that there, every seven minutes, there is more content added to the internet on YouTube than has been broadcast on broadcast TV
1: ever. That makes sense. And it's one of those, when you think you about that... think broadcast a, TV is a, is a small category? Yeah,
0: that's those three channels we were talking about, effectively. I mean, you had Fox in later and potentially uh, PBS. But it's one of those things where you say, you know, from the entirety of broadcast TV has had less content that is uploaded in seven minutes to YouTube. And so you look at it and say, you know, we can upload in seven minutes, we can upload everything that ever appeared on, on broadcast TV. So, you know, when you talk That's about something amazing. like this, there's just an incredible amount of data out there.
1: Well, a, a final factor I think is important is that once you try to make an effort to scrub something off the internet, there is what I call the disobedient sector of the internet. And these, <laughs> these are the people who, the minute you say you can't have it, they insist on having it, even if they don't care about it. There are people who would, if, 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 if Disney ever came out and said, we're going to actively scrub all copies of this off the internet, you would have a small army of people who have never watched it and don't care, but would try to preserve it just to thwart Disney. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's part of the reason
0: why, in some sense, they're not going to take it down. They, they, they're it, never going to officially yeah. release it, but I don't think it's they're ever going to try to stop the, the people from
1: distributing. And like I said, I found it on YouTube. Yeah, it's you on know, YouTube. You don't have to go look anywhere really, all that hard to find. It's sitting there on YouTube, and whoever owns the copyright to it, if anybody's you know willing to <laughs> claim it, uh, <laughs> could send a takedown notice, which we're going to talk about next. What can you do to get rid of stuff online? And yep. sneak preview, spoiler alert. The answer is, you can't really get rid of everything.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing, that where this comes from, a lot of it, and, and to give you some legal background with it, there's obviously things that get posted to the internet that people would like to have removed that are negative to them that may not be true even. Um, like Donald Trump's entire
1: Wikipedia page. <laughs> or really, n- name, insert political candidate <laughs> here political during an election cycle.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and the stuff you get into, but I mean, even for just average people, there's things that potentially can show up on the internet, which is things that in some sense would want to be forgotten. And, you know, Europe has has recently passed the sort of Right to be Forgotten um, type of legislation, the idea of trying to say... We should have some privacy with things that basically said, if something's made public which we intended to be private, there should be a way to claw it back.
1: And Europe's been generally ahead of the curve on, on privacy and data privacy yeah. issues. The U.S. has kind of left things up to a more piecemeal state-by-state, state, you know, with, with some exceptions at the federal level, but yep. for the most part, we don't have a lot of comprehensive national-level uh, laws that, that govern this kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think that, again, sort of one of the things I think you really bump into in conjunction with this is you have that sort of di- you know, disobedience section of the internet that kind of <laughs> looks at the idea it says we should keep it just because it should be kept because people want to remove it. And the reality of it is and again for those of you who didn't grow up, you know, before the internet, it used to be that things were forgotten because it you had to remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, you I come to the idea and say, "Hey, what was on, you know, TV at this point in time?" Hey, did you see the show? You know, you watched Frosty the Snowman one year, the next time you saw it was a year later, yeah. you know. So the idea of trying to remember exactly what happened in it or, you know, specific things of it, it was entirely a personal memory type of thing. And you really did have stuff get forgotten in a way that the internet has pretty much destroyed.
1: Yeah, my, I remember my dad in 1985, so my dad was an Iowa alum like I am. I remember in 85, we finally had a VCR. And he recorded every Iowa football game that was on TV. And I have to put that qualifier in because yep. back then, not every game was on even local TV. Yep. But he recorded them all on VHS tapes. They are all still sitting in a box in our basement somewhere, but now they're all on YouTube.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's because they had you know professional
1: recordings of them that were made because of the broadcasting. But you know. some stuff was lost, right? Yeah. Some of those games were not recorded. And so— they're just gone.
0: Yeah. I mean, to use as an example of things that, you know, the the idea that this is a good thing in some respects, you know, we need to look no further than sort of major historic events and the fact that we'd like more coverage of them. I think the best example, and for those of you who know the story, is let's talk about the moon landing. Mm-hmm. Why is the moon landing food film so grainy? Because they filmed the TV. Because the- They film, lost the, the for, original footage. Well, and the format well, they that was sent over, back- it? Yeah, they taped over. the format that was sent back from the original moon lander was, it was brilliantly clear, as you see in the later- The photos um, are very photos clear. Photos and stuff. Like, and you see from the later videos, from the later moon landings- no atmospheric but the original, interference probably yeah.
1: helps with that. But.
0: Well, with the original one, the the problem with it is it was an incompatible format with TV, so they couldn't broadcast it live. So the way they broadcast it live is they filmed the TV playing it, which is why it's grainy. Then they inadvertently recorded over it. <laughs> one looks at it and says, you know, had this thing existed, you know, that had been the case now, that that was broadcast, they would have recorded over that DVD. There would be thousands of people who had copies of it. Oh, yeah that they'd gotten off the initial internet from recording it. So there is a value to the fact that the internet doesn't forget.
1: Let's talk about some of the things you can do to get stuff taken offline. Now, all of this goes with a caveat that the, you know responsible, normal, law-abiding websites and hosts will generally cooperate and follow these rules. But like we said, there's, there's a disobedient sector that will not. And there are people who will stand on their rights or move stuff overseas or, or try and find ways to preserve things. So although you can maybe get things taken, taken down from most legitimate web sites. Kirk and I call it the first page problem. You can get it off the first page of Google, which for most purposes means it may as well not exist. Yep. Uh, so the, the main one is called the DMCA. That stands for Digital Millennium Copyright Act. This that is, means
0: 2000. Think about that as that's yeah, when this, this was is written.
1: Yeah, this is late 90s Clinton era regulations uh, that were meant to modernize like, the, the then very dated Copyright Act, which was <laughs> still very dated. in 1976, and I guess it's still, yeah, it's still around. Uh, but to, to update that to deal with uh, the internet, and this is this is uh, post Napster existing, but pre anybody realizing it. So kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was aware of it, but I don't think the movie or the the music industry had really tuned into it yet at the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, there definitely was a lot of stuff that was sort of out there. I mean, it's you had the sort of MP3s showing up. Napster, I think, was relatively new. Mm-hmm. You know, prior to that, there'd been just a lot of general just trading on the internet of Lime the music Wire. and people posting. Well, people used and stuff to just like use
1: that. FTP sites and yeah. Usenet, and I mean, and that stuff's all still around like for for all the all the you know uh, hand-wringing in the industry over file sharing and BitTorrent uh, there still is a very very lively Usenet out yeah. there, which is where probably most piracy is taking place outside of BitTorrent.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the the thing that you've you've got with it is you had this sort of you know this internet w- was a relatively new thing. I mean, I think for the most part, most people you're not going to really be talking about access to the internet until you're getting into at least late '90s.
1: Yeah, I'd say early 2000s was when broadband rollout was yeah. had hit enough urban areas that most you know not most but a majority of people yeah. at least could get connected. I mean, but before I joke that up, yeah. it was the AOL theme parks. You know, like my my parents were on AOL until the late '90s until I finally said, "Well, you just call Charter and get regular." Internet. Yeah,
0: I mean, I joked about it because in 1992, I mean, when I was a senior in high school, I took a class over the internet. That meant it was emailed to us. Yeah, you know, and things like that. And it's, you know, that was an incredible thing. We had to go to a computer lab to do it. You know, and half the well, time, you it not and be half time it was connected. Right? When
1: you had a modem, you would you would do- log in, download all your emails to you know Eudora. Yeah. <laughs> disconnect. <laughs> you would write all your responses to all your emails on your computer, then log back in and upload them. Yeah.
0: And you hoped nobody would send you an image because it took too
1: dang long to oh, download yeah. it. And you'd hope nobody called and knocked you, on, although you. Could could shut off call waiting. Yeah, you could yeah. shut yeah. off call waiting. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, so so the DMCA has something called a takedown request, and that is where if a you know a website like a YouTube or just like a, any site host is uh, is hosting copies of material that you own the copyright to, you can send them under the DMCA a takedown request where you say, "Look, you've got this stuff. It's mine. I do not give you permission to have it. So you need to take it down." And the, the host is required to respond to this relatively quickly. Yep. And in my experience, most, you know, Facebook and YouTube, they usually respond within a couple of days, sometimes, sometimes a week. Yeah, it
0: depends a lot on what it is. And The other thing with it is, is that basically the ability to respond to a takedown request and receive takedown requests provides them with some protection against liability for yeah. having been posted in the first place. Yeah,
1: so they, they get immunity from contributory copyright infringement accusations, yep. basically, which otherwise, you know, it's a it's question whether they'd yep. be subject to that. Uh, but they, you know, they register an agent with the government, so you know, who receives the notice. And then it's basically basically an expedited injunction. I mean, for lack of a better term, a judge doesn't actually order them to do anything, but the, for all practical purposes, the service provider has a highly motivating incentive to comply and take it down. But they also have to tell the person who posted it, by the way, we took this down. And yeah. if that person says, no, they don't own it, I own it, or they just say, it's a fair use, and I'm going to stand by my use, then you can put it back, but then the ISP is out. And uh, yeah. it's just between the content owner and the person who posted it. And either way, the ISP is not responsible.
0: One of the key things to keep in mind is this is about hosts. So so we're usually talking about ISPs in conjunction with it. Another thing just to keep in mind sort of again big law point I think when this episode will air, we have just a few days before actually the original um, requirements to who you post as your DMCA, uh, notice yes. and takedown person will expire.
1: Yeah. If you provided a prior DMCA agent uh, using the old paper system, which has been in place since this act was enacted, uh, those will all be no good after the first of the year yep, or as of to, the first of the year. Yep, so. They have to
0: actually be uh, now done via the internet. If you are somebody with that, definitely contact an attorney or contact yeah, your sure people you running to make sure you of. get it ch- taken care of because that is a major legal issue because of the protection from
1: liability that's granted by having these procedures in place so the dmca is nice uh it gets stuff taken offline pretty quickly i've used it you've used it i mean almost any lawyer has has probably used this at some point but it has a couple of shortcomings one is (laughs) the content has to be copyrighted and the problem is sometimes what you want to have taken down you don't own the copyright to and the main example i'm thinking of is hey that guy's posting a picture of me on his website yep okay If the picture is of you, almost by definition, you're not the author of it. Oh, come now, with selfies today, you're probably the author
0: of it. But yeah, one of the problems you have is you have to be the owner of the copyright. You have to be able to prove it in some sense too um, to be able to you know at least have them take you seriously, and that can be an issue. Now, obviously, this works if you you know own a movie, you own a you know something that's just obviously sort of accepted copyrighted content. Yeah,
1: it works pretty well if you have a clear you know if you know the Star Wars holiday special. You know, whoever posted that is never going to claim ownership of it, so (laughs) that could get taken down. Uh, Another limitation is that this is a United States statute. So all you need to do is... You know, find a host overseas somewhere that's not subject to it, and let them do it. Yep. The other problem you definitely bump into, I think, with DMCA is it's a bit of a whack-a-mole. Um, you yep. have the problem that you know, hey, if somebody's got something that they
0: want up there, yeah, you can send DMC takedown requests, but can you send them fast enough with the sites that are reposting it? Um, and can you even find them all in the first place to send them DMCA takedowns? Well, how do you get stuff off a of BitTorrent?
1: I mean, yep. so, so the, the torrent site itself is overseas. How do you go find out who all is hosting bits and pieces and, yep. and feeding the torrent? It's like I said, it's whack-a-mole yep. and the, it's it's a futile.
0: The big thing with DMCA is. A of times again you think about this as this is large actors well behaved actors you know you yeah. need to get something off YouTube yeah they're going to listen to you you need to get something off Facebook they're going to listen to you these are well established large sites you need to get something off of a site which is qu- trying to be quasi legal <laughs>
1: trying yeah, to do luck. this is going to be hard yeah uh, another another option is something called the UDRP this is the uniform domain name dispute resolution procedure uh, this is very limited it only applies to domain names and this is where somebody has actually registered a domain name that is effectively infringing a trademark that you own uh, usually this is this is um I think this is also – this is not legislation. This is uh, uh, voluntary. This is handled by the sort of the oversight yep. company, ICANN, that kind of runs the internet addressing I and, space. And is it
0: W3, is that the other company that was involved in Yeah,
1: W3 is more, more of a standards organization. But ICANN is commissioned by, I think, the Department of Commerce to manage the, the, the address space for the, the public internet. And they accredit companies to register domain names. And yep. they are required to make you agree to this UDRP process, which is basically a glorified arbitration. It's not even glorified. It just is an arbitration. It's a very accelerated arbitration. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, if if you submit an arbitration request, the other person has to participate. If you win, you get the domain name or it gets canceled. Yep. But this requires that you have a trademark interest in the domain name. An approvable and a provable trademark interest. Yeah, a provable trademark interest. Uh, and it also uh, – you know, uh, defenses are available. First Amendment defenses are available, yep. comment and criticism defenses are available, or prior use defenses are available. So if you, uh, the example I always think of is this uh, website, moosehead.com, which is now owned by Moosehead Brewing. But uh, I, I knew the guy who originally registered it way, way back in the day, and he used it for an online game, uh, and the game itself was of a sort of um, a raunchy nature, and the website reflected that, which was much to the chagrin of Moosehead Brewing once they discovered the internet, you know, about 10 years later, <laughs> and said, hey, uh, this is our trademark, and people keep going to your raunchy website and getting offended, give that to us. And uh, my friend Rusty said, no, I've been using it legitimately for my game since, you know, 1991, so go pound same- unless you want to give me a lot of money, which I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure at some point Moosehead must have done because they they own it now. (laughs) Um, So... There's there's that too. The only other real option you have in the U.S. at least is to file a lawsuit to get something yep. taken down. But you still have to have a legal theory about why it can't be yep. there. And usually, uh, people want stuff taken down because it's defamatory, which you know sometimes can happen. But your remedy for defamation is usually tort damages. Yeah. And
0: one thing to mention on the UDRP, and I think it's also just before we move completely into lawsuits, the UDRP in many respects is also sort of written for a past internet. Um, it's it is. Written it's cyber squatting. Basically, it's very focused on cyber squatting, and it doesn't really that a thing anymore. Yeah. That that's it. Was something that used to be big. Where basically the idea was, you tried to get domain names so that you would people would inadvertently go to your site based upon your domain name. You and hold nobody them really does that anymore. Yeah. And part of the reason that it is is because search engines have gotten better. It used to be that when you needed to find a particular location like Moosehead Brewing, you would type in the company's yeah. name. That would be the assumption is as the domain name was, was
1: was the hotness, right? Like you had to have yeah. that. If you didn't have the hot domain name, I mean, a, a good domain name would sell for six figures easily. But anymore, I couldn't tell you the last time I actually went to a website by domain name. I go to Google, I type. In what I want and Google finds it for me.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think, a lot of the things we, you know, Google in some sense has changed. I think the search engine has changed it, but particularly Google. Um, and that's one of the things that's interesting about the UDRP. A lot of the way the UDRP gets used now is is to go after and get domain names that aren't necessarily your trademark exactly mm-hmm. but are related enough to your trademark or similar enough that they are causing some confusion. So People who end up there think it's your official site even Usually though it's Usually it's
1: more scamming, phishing, things like that yep. where there's typo squatting and they invert letters and things to, to trick people. Yep. So that's more what that's used for anymore. But for, for lawsuits are probably all that's really left... Um, you know these are mostly going to be state law solutions where you're talking about rights of privacy you want pictures of yourself taken yep. offline that the copyright belongs to somebody else and this is kind of a mishmash of different state law regimes there's no real comprehensive federal law on this and this is kind of what Europe was trying to sort yeah. of i think make comprehensive now, one thing there, – there are some, some what I call de facto exceptions to this rule, which is photos depicting children. I yeah. think most companies, uh, even illegitimate companies, will, will hurry to get rid of them because, one, there is COPA, the Children's COPA. Online uh, Privacy and Protection Act, which, uh, which governs some of this stuff. But I think people just sort of intuitively know that that, that just ain't cool, man, yeah. and so they're going to respond to those. I think it's also worth noting COPA actually truly has some teeth behind it. But it's also – COPA is very specific as to
0: what you can and can't do when it comes to children. Mm-hmm. It relates to privacy policy. A lot of to comply with COPA and again protect yourself from liability, you have to agree to do a lot of things when it comes to
1: minors that you want to agree to to get that protection from liability. The, the other major category where I think a lot of sites are responsive, whether or not you own the copyright to uh, to what's like a takedown request, uh, is uh, revenge porn, which yeah. has become a big deal to the point where. More than 30 states now have anti-revenge porn laws that that provide, in some cases, criminal sanctions for posting this kind of material. Yep. There, there's. I think we're starting
0: to see a lot of sort of things coming out. And as much as it is, it's a relevant topic right now, and it's been talked about a lot sort of in the last you know few weeks, and, and probably seemingly been talked about one time this is going to air. Um, the idea of weaponizing the internet. Yeah. And it's something that's been talked about a lot. You know, you've heard some guys on Facebook talk about it. They were talking about it in conjunction with Russian meddling with the election, you know, the idea that the we've expected the internet to become this open, exploitative ideals, you know, it's, it's a public square, so to speak, people are starting to discover potentially how to use the soapbox as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And it's something where that's been done, and it's been done previously, and there's already some laws that are sort of coming into play in relationship to it. But a lot of it has to do with this fact that the internet has, can't forget, the internet yeah. has a very long memory. And so by the very act of doing something like this, you can't get it back. Um, you can't unring the bell. Yeah, you can't unring the bell. I mean, that really is a, a sort of very important element with this, and a lot of the law in this is not trying to unring the bell. It's trying to compensate somebody for it, yep. or it's trying to discourage you from ringing it in the first place or
1: because minimize of how risk. many people can hear it. Ultimately, yeah. One of the things we also deal with with this because you can't get stuff offline. And Kirk and I have helped people before with, with uh, you know, trying to scrub things that they don't want off the internet, and it, it, it can't be done. The bottom line is there, there is no legal tool that that can do this. Even if there was a legal tool. It, it wouldn't work yeah. just because of the distributed nature of the internet. It would not be a complete solution. So what what we often see people do, and mostly successfully, is is, is whitewashing the front page of Google. Is, is putting enough other content out there so that Google will index stuff that you do want people to see if they Google your name, for example, yeah. and not see the stuff that you don't. And a lot of times, it's also just quite frankly letting it die. Yeah. Um, which is if people
0: are not searching for it, it falls off Google's front yeah. page. The, the
1: more the more you fight, kind of the more you provide Google's indexing with a, a motivation to keep to keep indexing. Yeah.
0: Now, we are picking on Google here because I mean Google's by far well, the, the largest search engine.
1: But I mean, you know, it's supplies any, supplies to supplies anybody, any search really. engine. Yeah.
0: But the, the a lot of what I think you, you also have to keep in mind with while the internet has a very long memory, the Internet also has a lot of content. Mm-hmm. And the the reality of it is is it's I can take a document and I can hide it in the Library of Congress and you'll never find it. Because there, there's so much documentation there, harder I mean, to find
1: there than on the internet. <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: let's talk about you know, um, you know, at the plot of sort of any movie you know, like National Treasure or something <laughs> like that. You know, the idea of hiding things in plain sight. The internet allows us to do that. There can be huge amounts of content on the internet, which just nobody will ever find. One of the ones I, I remember again talking about is, it's, I remember there was a channel for a while. Um, I think it was Pandora had a, a, a channel where you could actually play music that had never been played. and once you played it, it was removed from the playlist for everybody, before. so there was literally one, and you could play hours upon hours of this stuff, you know, as to uh, those, there's huge amounts of data out there which disappear, so a lot of it is, and I think a lot of the technical solution is the internet never forgets But it disappears
1: into the archive. It has a long memory, but it also has a short attention span.
0: Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. It has a very short attention span. So a lot of times what you see in conjunction with these lawsuits and things like that is people basically trying to capitalize on the idea of the attention span is going to go away. And a lot of times the reason you see lawsuits or or proceedings or DMCA takedowns and stuff like that in some sense is just trying to get it quicker. Just cleaning stuff up.
1: Yeah. To knock off quicker. All right. Well, that's all for today. Next time is mailbag day. Uh, we already have a ton of questions for it. And due to the holiday season, we're actually recording this episode in advance. So by the time you listen to this, the mailbag episode will already be recorded. That said, please continue to send in your questions. We do use them. We read them all. Uh, we will read them all on the air, and we will talk about them. So you will be famous to literally dozens of people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it will be on the Internet forever, so don't send us That's something right. don't right. us to you don't want to talk about. That's You will be about. immortalized.
1: So uh, send your questions to us on Twitter at lggpod, email us at lggpodcast at gmail.com, or talk to us on our Facebook page, search for Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy. If you like what we're doing, uh, give us a review. We appreciate the reviews. It helps other people find us. And you can also find Kirk and I on the social networks. I am on Twitter, at Benjamin Siders, and Kirk is at Kirk Damon. That's D-M-N. Yep, I use the abbreviation just because it's shorter, so it's a little easier to find. Indeed. That's, an, right. old,
0: that's an old UDRP sort of, you know, <laughs> using the domain name issue.
1: Okay, there's the music. It's time to go. Thank you again to the official LGG band, Lorem Ipsum, and the Scriveners. Lorem, play us out. Oh, and Merry Christmas.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice, LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded at Cool Fire Studios in St. Louis, Missouri.